Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Welcome back to one of your favorite podcasts out there about gaming, gaming media, gaming news, all your game things. We are here to have a game chat. I'm Tom. This is my partner, Lucas. And we're here today to talk about Smash. Aren't we, Lucas? Yeah, uh, particularly in the uh, New England area, the New England scene, uh, our guest is a good friend of Tom's, as are the, you know, I guess most of our guests have been of, of late and have had some type of connection to you. But yeah, so he'll be uh, coming on and be asking questions about uh, the gaming scene up there. He's done everything from, you know, streaming uh, to commentating, so real pretty, pretty well versed. And uh, yeah, we're going to hear what he has to say. Absolutely, folks. Let us know if you like this one. Uh, keep it locked here for more interviews like this. We're jumping all over the place in terms of the gaming scene, folks. We want to get you coverage from top to bottom all across the industry. So we hope you like this one. Check it out on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. You know, Follow us on Instagram, at GameChat underscore Tom Lucas. Someday we'll get our Twitter back. But until then, Instagram's the place to be. And uh, yeah, without further ado, you know, we'll just jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's our interview with Nathan Cordero, a.k.a. Blue Eco. And hello, folks. We're here today with our good friend, Nathan Cordero, otherwise known as Blue Eco or Echo? Eco. Blue Eco. Yeah. He is a good friend of mine. I have known Nathan since we were wee wee little little people. Nathan is pretty prominent in the competitive Smash Brothers scene. You know, he's he's doing things up and down New England, all sorts of ins and outs and ends and odds when it comes to competitive melee. So, you know, we're here, we're chilling, we're hanging. How you doing, Nathan? It's good to see you. I'm good. I uh, there's been a lot going on in melee recently. At least in, not just in New England, but pretty much everywhere. So mm -hmm. it's very exciting. Oh, absolutely. And we're very excited to dive into some of these topics today and hear about what's going on, aren't we, Lucas? Yes, we are. Better, you know, the best way to uh, learn is to go directly to the source, directly to uh, the person involved. Mm -hmm. All right, we can uh, start off at the beginning. And mm -hmm. that is, uh, when did you start playing Smash non-competitively, just for fun? <sighs> wow. Um there's probably like five different answers I could give you. I played Smash 64 with my brother uh, on the Nintendo 64 as a kid. Never had a GameCube growing up, so it's a little bit ironic how into <laughs> Melee I got. Uh, but I got Brawl, Super Smash Bros. on the Wii. You know, everyone was hyped about that. That was the first game I bought with my own money. Uh, my first delving into the competitive Smash was actually with Smash 4. The one that came out on the 3DS and the Wii U. That was so, mine too. Yep. Yeah, I, I went to a couple of tournaments for that. Mostly just like some kid's garage. Me and my buddy would take a trip up. And then after I played that for a little bit, I started delving into PM. Uh, PM, for those who don't know, is a mod of Brawl that essentially makes the mechanics function like Melee. It was very popular back in like 2016 to 2020. It's had a little bit of a resurgence lately, but the scene for that's 
kind of been dying out. A lot of people heading to Melee or Smash Ultimate. There was a PM tournament held by this kid in the Amesbury High School that was, I don't know how he did it. He convinced his the faculty to let him throw a fucking Smash Bros tournament. Can I curse on here? Yeah, of course. I'm sorry, yes, I should have asked. Yes. Okay, cool. Just <laughs> wanted to make sure. But he held this tournament that was probably like 30 people, single elimination. The bracket was on like a whiteboard. It was very like amateur tournament, but it was still a great time. He brought a bunch of people from like the local scene there and mostly just like local town kids. That was my first like competitive tournament. And the way I got more into the like actual competitive scene was actually Smashboards. So it's funny how much the landscape has changed in even the past four years, like before COVID. Is that like, uh, is the boards, is that like smash.gg and stuff like that? So Smashboards was a forum. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So it it was the classic, like you had threads inside of threads, inside of threads where you'd post discussions. I was, I had seen the, uh, the documentary on YouTube, the melee doc. Oh, Um, I've seen that too. It's a little, good watch. It's a good watch. It's a little bit dated now, I will yes. say, in terms of the you know, gamer language, we'll say. <laughs> After watching that, I wanted to see what the local scene was like, and I saw on Smashboards a forum post, my, my good friend now uh, hosted a tournament called Make Money Off Melee. Just kind of like a joke <laughs> name. It was just like a regular tournament. It was his first time hosting a tournament. But my mom ended up becoming a tournament series that we ran for about three and a half years doing weeklies. We did bi-monthly tournaments, regularly pulling like 150 plus people. That was my main intro was that tournament, my mom. And that was kind of like its own era. That was started in back in uh, 2015. And even since then the the entire landscape has just completely changed from how you find tournaments to how you find people to play with sure. to traveling it's it's all over the place sure. so i've played smash bros forever getting into the competitive scene mostly is just about finding the network to find people near you um it used to be facebook marketplace and smashboards mm-hmm. now it's like discord twitter zoom you know all the online stuff absolutely yeah i imagine COVID had a a big part to do with that question for you i know like that college can't like a lot of different college campuses in and around at least massachusetts and i imagine probably all over the place have some Mm -hmm. sort of competitive smash club or smash club in general i at least Definitely went to a few sessions when I was in school at the UMass one. Would those be open to sort of anybody could come and check those kind of events out, or are they usually just for students? If you are in college, or even if you have a college near you, and you're interested in the Smash scene, please reach out and figure out what your local scene's like, because that's pretty much where all of the current heads in the scene started really finding their place in the community is their college scene because okay. there's always people trying to play there's all not only just friendlies and stuff almost every college will have a weekly of some sort mm-hmm. there'll be people running it sometimes they'll even have a live stream for it um generally your face local facebook or discord groups are going to be the way to find that but almost every college has a very active scene for melee smash for ultimate even other fighting games Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was the cool, cool part I thought when I would go to those kinds of events is like along with 
every sort of Smash setup you could think of, there's always somebody playing Street Fighter or Tekken or whatnot in the background. Yep. So I thought I always thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It, it, a lot of the times you will have a little bit of separation between your your melee and your uh like smash ultimate or smash four scenes but in my experience i went to uh umass lowell for a little bit founded the smash club there and we had uh both of the weeklies on the same day so sometimes we would get cross entrance and it was a really good opportunity to kind of get those communities to kind of i don't know see what you can do together Oh, absolutely. I, and the more the merrier, I feel, in this kind of situation. I know you said you started in around Amesbury and with M-Mom? M-Mom. New England Smash is, is huge. It's it's up from Maine down to Pennsylvania, you know. have And you mentioned traveling earlier as well. Have mm. most of the tournaments you've been in, I imagine most of them that you've been involved in have been in Massachusetts, but uh, have you done some competing up and down the east coast you know in the new england region yeah i uh in terms of competing i've always been uh you know not the greatest i'm not gonna be taking down any big regionals or anything but i'll make it out of the pool stage you know i've been to virginia for pound in 2016 uh i've been to new york a handful of times they have uh they used to have a tournament called nebulous in the Bronx, that was sick. They now have, uh, I forget what the venue name is, but the tournament's called The Nightclub. If you're in New York, hit up The Nightclub. They have a very, very good setup. Friendliest scene you'll ever find in New York. Um, They're really good. Uh, I recently, this past April, actually went to California to Genesis to compete there. Yeah, it was a great time. If you ever get the chance to go to a Smash Major, if there's one within any any sort of driving distance near you you got to make it out to saturday or sunday there's nothing like watching a a really tight set with 40 people crowded around everyone's cheering for their local hidden boss it gets pretty sick oh i can imagine yeah i've Mm -hmm. i've seen a lot from the melee doc to just seeing it in person at events like smash club to you know like watching it online like Shit gets hype, man. Like, there's some crazy plays these, like, top-level professionals be running. And usually the hype comes from the the players being close-matched. Like, mm-hmm. we can all watch the grand finals of the top two ranked players, and it's it's going to be cool if they have a close set. It might be a 3-0, and we're all bored. But then you have, like, the... 18th versus the 21st seed in round two and that's just as close of a match and those guys are just as equally matched so you're gonna have as many tight battles in that part of your bracket so there's always some fun stuff to watch really uh, my favorite part of brackets has always been the second phase or the right before top 16 because that's when you get the people traveling and all their best players are starting to meet in bracket and Mm -hmm. that's when the real hype matches start coming in your uh, you know many years as a competitive Smash player, have you developed any rivalries with uh, other players? I have, uh, mostly just local you know local heads that it, it's all friendly stuff. I'm I haven't been enough of a serious competitor to develop any you know real bitter uh, like we hate each other before, during, after bracket. Uh, it's mostly just been friendly stuff. I have certain sets with people where. I'm very emotionally invested because of the history. I have mm. certain people that I have 20 sets on that have only beaten me once, and I have certain people that I've played 20 times, and I've never even taken a game off of them. Oh, yeah. So if you consistently are in a region going to stuff, you will see the same faces, and you will. it doesn't matter if you want to or not. You will care about 
the match you're playing and the who you lost to or beat last time. I'm actually thinking about one right now. There's this uh, there's this kid who came to my mom. We ended it in about 2018, so that's when he started playing. And I had been playing for three years at this point, so I would regularly beat him. I put took probably 11 or 12 sets off of him in the span of like four or five months. And then a year later in 2019, for some reason he was just significantly better and we had a really close like game five last set or last stock last hit really close i lost to him since then haven't beat him once i've played him probably five times every single time he just washes me and he credit to him he's a grinder he's playing so much he's putting a lot of effort in but god damn it i want to beat him again (laughs) oh for sure for sure that's the craziest part about it with me with smash it you know there's obviously like practice makes perfect kind of thing but i feel specifically with melee there's like a lot of just and i would see this kind of when like i was living with luke and i would see him practice while he Mm. was trying to break in you're just practicing wave dashing for like hours like that's the type of like bare bones technique you have to master versus just like oh i'm gonna sit down for three hours and play uh level nine bots there's absolutely a mechanical skill barrier Mm -hmm. to get into melee just like there is for most fighting games for tekken you have to learn combos for street fighter you have to learn combos for counter-strike you have to learn how to tap strafe and how to stop moving before you shoot with valorant so the the hard part with melee is that the mechanical skill barrier is very steep but the skill ceiling is also very high. And that's why the players that like it are so die hard for it because there really isn't many other games that have movement that is as precise as Melee. To to that extent, though, um, it's never been more accessible to get into Melee with online, uh, the emulator Slippy, the um, the rollback netcode for matchmaking. Um, there's tr- there's training packs now where it's basically like the Street Fighter training mode where it'll put you and a bot next to each other and you'll have to do like an L cancel on the technique and it'll tell you, oh, you were three frames late. You should have you should have done it earlier. And it, it, there's just like training packs and stuff like that. People, Is, stuff that people in 2008 would have dreamed of. So those types of training packs, are those included like within Slippy? Because I know Slippy's been huge not really there's a lot of different types of training packs um the most uh comprehensive one right now is called uncle punch uh (laughs) yeah It, it takes the uh the mission mode and it makes it a bunch of just like training drills like l cancel practice wave dash practice that kind of thing slippy is more of the uh the matchmaking and the client of uh you know actually playing with other people pivoting off into that like sort of technical skill barrier and these types of things that you like literally have to do if you want to break a certain barrier you know is that what attracts you to melee so much as opposed to other smash games say ultimate or i know like even i mean brawl's trash but like (laughs) but like project m for example you know um it's it's weird because of how much of an accident uh melee was um there's no denying that a lot of the stuff is developer intended like wave dashing was a known mechanic l canceling Mm -hmm. was a mechanic that was in smash 64 even before melee um all of these things kind of combined to make this very precise kind of beautiful game um that you can tell they put a lot of 
a lot of a lot of effort. I mean, if you look at any of the devlogs for Melee, you can see Sakurai talk about how they were all basically physically killing themselves because of how hard they were working on this to get it out in time. Like they made it in a year and a half or something. It's insane the amount of uh, precision there is in and just really attention to detail of for all sure. the interactions. Um, sure. There's a lot of really good videos on YouTube that dive into how the mechanics work that are really accessible, not like hour-long uh, theses about like every mechanic, which are out there too. Um, but you have very simple like 10-minute kind of intros to how the mechanics work. As far as comparing it to like other games like Smash Ultimate, I think that's what draws a lot of people, me included, into melee is that there's so much freedom of expression in the movement and the combos um there's a lot of things that now because the meta is still changing in an unpatched game crazy um there's Wild. a lot of things that are kind of like set in stone for the meta like if you're in marth if you're marth against a spacey and you land a grab you can get them to 40 percent guaranteed every time if you're good enough okay um, okay and with that skill ceiling comes the freedom of expression that I can tell Mango, the best Falco player to ever do it, from my local Falco player, and I can see just the two players on the screen, and I can tell you which is which. But that's comparing two different levels of players. Sure, sure. The cool thing about Melee is I could take my local player of Falco, and I can tell him apart from your scene's local Falco, because I know the style that my buddy plays, he's going to go for these options in this scenarios, and there really is that much expression that even different regions, New York has a different style. That's what I was going to ask if there's regional like differences too. That's really cool. You'll have a person show up to your tournament and you'll be like, I've never seen this guy before, and you start playing him, and it's like, all right, he's got to be with the New York squad that came because this guy's playing weird. It's very... I mean, it's been said... A million times it's kind of a meme at this point melee is anime melee is jazz like it's it's very overplayed at this point but the point stands that it is one of the most just good feeling to move in mm -hmm. it's uh i hate i hate to be pivoting around so many times but i'm sure oh, you've please. you've seen uh the success of games like uh multiverses yes uh slap city nickelodeon's all-star brawl rest in peace that one's trash. Um, it was alright. It, yeah. So yeah. all all of these games come out, and they are they're good. People have fun with them for a little bit, but the the pattern that always happens is that these me melee players will play it for a month on their streams. They'll have a fun time, play it with their homies. As soon as you boot up melee and you play Falco for three seconds, you're like, oh yeah, I'm back. This this is why I'm playing this right now. It just feels right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's like, I've talked to so, I've like, be it my own conversations, be it talking with, uh, like listening to podcasts and talking about it. Like there are so many other games that they're almost there, you know, but for whatever reason, they just can't match that same feeling. And it sounds silly to talk about, but it's a very, very real thing. Like you do, it's Coffee very hard to tried. match. Oh, Coffee, for sure. They're trying right now. No I, one's I, no one's hit it. Much props to multiverses. You know, if they like, they did it, well. It they, doesn't doing well. It doesn't match Smash by any means, but like you know, the free to play of it and the consistent updating and support for that game, they look like they're putting into it. I feel like I could see 
multiverse is having a lot of longevity. And the online's good. Yes. Yes, it is. It's not shitty to play, which is... In, in today's day and age, I think that's going to be a big factor in whether your game succeeds. Yeah. Maybe someday Nintendo will know how to <laughs> manage online anything. Not, not if Breath of the Wild 2 sells like we think it's going to, man. Oh, it will. It will, too. That's the sad part. Nintendo yeah. can put fucking shit on a disc and people will still buy it. <laughs> jumping jumping off of that precise feeling and what you were talking about specifically regarding, you know, different characters and being able to tell apart in terms of styles, you know, uh, like based off of your own history, you mentioned Marth, you mentioned the Spacies. I know those guys are pretty thick and stuck in that meta, like mm-hmm. in terms of melee, but what are some things about like those characters specifically that either you know, on your own personal level or within the meta itself? What attracts you to those characters as opposed to, like, I don't know, Captain Falcon or Mario or something so, like that? It's really cool because you absolutely see clicks of certain characters develop. Like, in the corner of the tournament, you'll see all the Fox players talking about how to beat the number one seed, which is the local Peach, and he's just dominating everyone. And they're all like, how do we beat Peach? He just keeps down smashing. Oh my god, why are we, do we keep running into it? Every character has certain things that that click kind of identifies with. Fox players are button pressers. They want to... They wanna press fast buttons and overwhelm you and and they want to play the best character in the game that's the only perspective i can give you because i'm a fox (laughs) player (laughs) Um, but hey man the meta you know the meta is the meta at the end of the day you if if you want to if you want to stay up there you got to get good at certain at certain characters the uh the cool thing there is that at every level you'll still have people complaining about certain characters the number two falco player fiction He'll he'll lose to a Marth, and he'll be like, "This character's so fucking bullshit, man. He, he's just down tilt. He, he doesn't even have to use his brain." And it's like this dude is like the fifth best player in the world, <laughs> complaining about this character. Yeah, and like it's one of those things that if you go to tournaments or you watch matches, you'll very quickly identify what kind of character kind of vibes with you. The expressiveness of the combos, how fast you are your positioning is all gonna uh determine kind of what your play style is going to be like and Mm -hmm. all of the characters have similar kind of uh mechanics but very different play styles and kind of i guess ways you'll play neutral especially compared to a fighting game um the traditional fighter like tekken or street fighter yeah I can see that. I can see that. That and some would say that's just a benefit to the to the game of Smash itself and why it has blown up in the way it has because at the end of the day everybody does have the same inputs and mechanical base levels, you know, yeah. but it it allows for so much expression and variation jumping off of that. Right. And people talk a lot about the tier list. Uh, one of the main criticisms of Melee is that there's only, like, there's six viable characters and only seven people can win a major. But, like, if the the same idea with, like, music. If you hand Jimi Hendrix a $20 guitar, he's still going to sound like Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. If I make Mango play Mewtwo, he's still going to beat my ass with my best character. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just he's that much better than me. So you can, uh, as you get to the intermediate level, you're able to do similar things with every character. And it okay. does actually take a little bit of delving into that mechanical skill to be able to really feel out what character is right for you. Uh, watching matches is probably the best way other than that to figure out, you know, what what kind of vibe you'd, you'd like. That's that's my big... And, and, you know, me and Lucas would play a metric shit ton of Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate back when we lived together back in the day. And that, I thought, was something I picked up from watching you play Lucas, from watching, you know, versus like a Trevor or John or just, you know, the entire rest of our cast of characters that would regularly roll through our fraternity house you know it's everybody's playing in a different way and that's because that's my biggest thing like ganondorf for example like just his basic like side b into the down tilt like it's a must-have it's like the easiest way to set up like anything base like from Mm -hmm. that combo but i would never have known about that if i hadn't seen somebody else do it beforehand you know? I'm both I'm both intimidated and a little bit jealous of ultimate players because of how many goddamn characters are in that game. I I don't even think I could even start to like learn that many matchups. At most in melee, I have to like really practice like five or six matchups to be able to be ready for any tournament realistically. But goddamn, ultimate's a different beast. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. It's probably and that might be something that attracts you to it more is that the fact that you know. There's a lot less you have to worry about in terms of just the pool of variation. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, Lucas mains, like, Mewtwo and fucking, I don't know, who did you, who else did you main? Like, you were a big Mewtwo guy. I was a Mewtwo guy initially, where I played him just exclusively, because I was like, oh, everyone here has, like, played, like, Smash games before, so I need to up my level of confidence to, like, not die immediately. (laughs) Uh, But by the end... Like, because we were playing that game for like a good year, I had like eight or nine people that I actually like enjoyed. Yeah, um, which is always nice to just have like some more variance rather than just playing like the same character over and over again. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like Link is fun, uh, <laughs> and I was like so anti like Sword Boys, but then I was like, oh, Link has like a bomb and like a boomerang and an arrow that you can like move the bomb around after you throw it. It's like so that was like that yeah. one little gimmick made me enjoy like the rest of his move set. Oh, for sure. Did you guys ever have one person that was like clearly just like, oh, he shows up like, yeah, he's going to win. He's going to win. It's Luke. It's Luke. It's it's like it's a combination of like Luke and Trevor. Okay. Yeah. They. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I haven't played a good. I played a shit ton of Smash when Sora dropped. And uh, thank you, Sakurai. But like. Uh, to to anyone who haven't hasn't seen it, check out the Big House Smash Ultimate Top Eight. Um, okay. One of the best Ultimate Top Eights that's ever happened. Um, especially the Grand Finals was something for you Sora fans out there. Uh, I won't spoil much, but uh, there's some fun stuff that happens in there. Oh, speaking of uh, you know major gaming events, the, mm-hmm. this next set of questions, like I was the most hyped for, just because yes. you told Tom that. Um, You've done Smash commentary, mm-hmm. which is like I think really cool because obviously like the competitive gaming scene is like relatively new, but mm-hmm. like actually commentating on games is like really fresh. Uh, That's so, what Lucas wants to get into. Yeah. Out there. Well, I just think like it's um because like I like 
and more familiar with like obviously like sports commentary right um but like to have that in a game setting like how did you get started and then also what traits make someone a good gaming commentator so smash commentary is so weird because of how many people do it and how many people are really bad at it so uh smash street fighter tekken most events uh if it's a competitive tournament will have a live stream uh just for the matches most of the time you're gonna be streaming you know round one in this 64 player bracket joe schmone number one versus who's this guy then we have all every match getting more and more intense until you're at the grand finals and that'll have the most viewers most of the time the people at the tournament are there to compete so you'll have your stream guy sitting there running the stream being a monkey and he'll be uh, one of the most common things you'll hear is anyone want to commentate we need commentators <laughs> so the major level and the local level is two completely different things on the local level it's mostly just yo who wants to come down and shoot the shit with chat uh the 24 people watching are all people who usually come but they had work today so they couldn't make it so they're just gonna hang out and getting up to the regional and major level um that's when you start to get the people that ha are more akin to sports commentators people that are seriously talking about the match um depending on the context something that makes people a good commentator is being able to work with multiple different types of commentators people talk a lot about fitting into the role of color commentator or uh play-by-play -play commentator or something like that a lot of the times what makes someone or breaks someone in a commentary career is being able to work in multiple different roles with multiple different people there is a lot of people that i honestly think try too hard when it comes to presenting themselves as serious esports Every, everyone has different levels of esports they want to get with it melee is is very grassroots in the local scenes and coming to the majors like i just ran the side stream for shine and we had papa john's as a sponsor pretty pretty big like serious stuff that we're trying to be professional for um if you are trying to get into that by far the easiest and the most accessible thing to do is to find your local scene and figure out if there's a stream there if not maybe start it um it's more accessible than ever all you need is like a computer a capture card and a microphone you don't even need webcams to get your stream started the main thing with commentary is it's like any industry it's who you know um if okay. you want to if you want to get to the top level of commentary it's not one of those things that you can grind like a competitor and you'll be the number one just by beating everyone it's subjective you have to do a lot of networking you have to know the people in your local scene and they will vouch for you when it comes time for the regional and they're making a list of commentators we're finally getting to the point where people are starting to get paid for events like this the commentators are getting paid the stream runners and people instead of just volunteering for the community we're actually making this something that's going to be sustainable in the future for uh, bigger and better events and who knows where it's going to go there's a lot of talk right now about um esports being it, how big it's going to get if it's ever going to catch up to mainstream sports or if it's going to kind of plateau um we're finally getting to the point where we're starting to figure this some of that stuff out you know oh for sure and i imagine you know like 
that's really cool to hear that like people are getting paid and actually can like be make a living or even like a side hustle doing off uh, something like that like on the local level too Mm -hmm. that's always good to hear Mm -hmm. with um like obviously play-by-play kind of like you can visualize how that would go but what what is color commentary like for those um a lot of the times the best commentary blocks i've found and the ones that get the best reactions from chat are when the commentators are not talking about the match at all or the players it's when they're talking about like the the drama that happened at the dominoes down the street from the local and they're just laughing having a good time because a really good example we just had a major in worcester mass uh for smash called shine i was doing the side melee stream for that so 10 a.m. sharp on Saturday. We're up and at him. Streams live. We're running pools, baby. Uh, everyone's nice. getting started. The commentators on there are uh, the ones I had at least were actual like professional guys that travel around and do this. I was lucky to work with a lot of really cool people. Um, but it's 10 a.m. They're not all right, Marth hits the down tilt and sends him off stage. Let's see if he can hit this edge guard. Oh, he hits it. It's a close battle. They're like, here we are in Worcester. Dude, what what the hell is Worcester? What is this place? Where are we? And they're just like, really just having fun. The color commentary usually is talking about, if not directly uh, the match, usually something related to the match. Like, what what is Mech wearing today? What are those shoes? Where the hell did he get those? I was talking to him earlier, and he said he went to he said he went to Payless. And then, <laughs> so it it can range anything from talking about current events to the color that people pick and just making fun of someone for picking yellow peach. It it, it varies a lot. It's really about, uh, it's the same kind of thing that would make someone a successful streamer. Um, Really, it's just kind of being being personable, being entertaining. You said you just were working shine just recently and got the opportunity to like work with some pro people. Mm -hmm. You know, I imagine you've done this a lot as, uh, you know, I've known you for a while and I've known you've been very invested in this scene as we all now see. Uh, What's Mm -hmm. some of like, what is one of your favorite, like be it commentating, competing, what's one of your favorite like moments that you can recall in the scene? Um, it's one specific moment during, uh, one of the first majors back in 2016, I can think of actually, cause I was running, uh, the live stream for this local tournament, my mom, and that was a pretty small thing. We would get 20 viewers on Twitch. Um, and then eventually the big guys in the scene, you know, the dudes that had the money, uh, put on this major in Boston, flew out all the top players and the real top talent. And since I was just kind of someone locally that was known for running a stream, um, I was invited, not paid at this time in 2016, but I was invited to bring my computer and just do a side recording setup just so players could have record records of their matches so they could rewatch it. it wasn't even live streamed. But I remember bringing all that in. There was, after I set it up, it was kind of set it and forget it. It was recording. Uh, the only thing to do was update the names on the overlay. Um, so we actually got this volunteer, uh, cause there was just a bunch of random, like floating volunteers at these sort of events that do miscellaneous tasks. I got one to sit down at my setup and just update the names. So I had him there for a shift. I went over, I think I was playing my pool in singles actually. Uh, but I set him there for two hours. It was his first tournament ever, not even just his first major. He was very like starry eyed, like, Oh, look at all these top players around. I get to volunteer. This is so cool. And, uh, 
So I set him down at the setup and I go to play my match and I come back probably an hour and a half later and there is a crowd of maybe like 50 or 60 people all around the, the TV and he is sitting there at the computer that's right next to it. There's probably another 30 people behind him watching his screen. He's got, he's like beaming and I go up to him and I look over and it's uh, the swooper from New Jersey versus Mango. Oh, wow. Mango is the number one ranked player of all time. He's been around since 2007. If you know Melee, you know Mango. And I can only assume it was his first time seeing Mango ever because yeah. it was a pretty tight set. It was really entertaining. But the look on his face when I walked over and I was just like, hey, pretty cool, right? It, it was kind <laughs> of that mesh of the local scene versus the big major scene and it really made me realize how much there really isn't a big difference between that the local scene at least in melee even i guess that's how it began was these small local grassroots scenes all started to grow and grow until it became this bigger thing and, and nationally it all kind of started interconnecting and that was just one moment that i realized how much of an impact that you can have just by volunteering just by, you know, just showing up, seeing, hey, what can I do? Can I run some pools for you? Let me throw out this bag of trash for you because smashers are disgusting and they leave trash everywhere. Um, <laughs> that realization of, you know, the culmination, I don't know. It was just very exciting to be able to share that with someone who maybe otherwise would have been too hesitant to volunteer or something. Um, being able to be like, hey, like, Here's these top players that you see online on the internet. They're just people competing here just like you. Jumping into uh, like a community that runs so deep like that is enriching no matter what it is, you know? Like mm -hmm. we I I feel that way like when we go to like PAX East and and things like that where it's just like, "Oh, okay, these are complete strangers that none of us know, but like we're all here celebrating this one thing that we like love to death. Yes. And nobody has to be like shy or withdrawn about that. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It can it can be intimidating to go to an event thinking, oh, and if you go and you sit down in a setup and it's your first tournament, you're probably gonna get beat. You're gonna get smacked around a little bit. But there's at a 50-person tournament, there's going to be at least five or six people there that show up and don't even enter the thing, don't even enter the bracket. They go to just to hang out and just to see the people that enjoy the thing that we all enjoy together. Absolutely. Another question for you. For a, for a non-Smash uh, Melee, uh, what's the word, the knowledgeable user, in the uh, info that Tom sent me about you, he mentioned TOing if that's yeah. how it's pronounced. And I tried to yeah. Google this and could not find anything on it. So what is that? So TOing is tournament organizing. Okay. That's going to be the people basically running the whole thing. That's TOing ranges from setting up the venue to running brackets to changing the toilet paper in the, <laughs> if you're the tournament organizers are the lifeblood of any scene. Uh, thank your TOs. If you go to any tournament to say, Hey man, I appreciate you putting this on because it's the most thankless job you will find in any grassroots scene, smash, uh, fighting games, uh, chess, like any competitive thing. The, the organizers are the ones that are making it happen. Um, a lot of the times, not only are they not getting paid, but they're losing money putting these events on. 
Thank you, Tios. They they get a uh, they get a lot of flack for for no good reason. There's this big myth that TOing is this big lucrative. Like all the TOs just want to like scoop up your money. They're all broke. None of them have money. <laughs> the, there are <clears throat> certain people that if they didn't exist, scenes would have completely died here in New yeah. England. Shoutouts to Stock Money and G Town Tom. Those two are the absolute foundation of new england melee and if they weren't here there probably wouldn't be melee players in new england at least not as many as there is today um it's going to be the dudes that you show up and they're going to be the ones calling out matches they'll be taking your money and they talk with the venue owners to get the thing set up they're they're basically top to bottom they get it all done and those are the people that actually make these events happen i that's like really cool to hear that you know those are the people who are just doing it purely for the love of the game and Mm -hmm. like bringing these people together yeah well this has been like incredibly informative from top to bottom my friend yeah uh i got one more kind of like quick like side question for Hmm. you before we uh kind of wrap it up here but what would you say and this is more of my own personal curiosity Hmm. but uh what would you say is your favorite addition to the uh other than Sora, to the uh, Smash Ultimate roster, who who was dropped into oh, that character? game? Easy. Yeah, Steve. Super. All right, easy. Minecraft Steve. Um, <laughs> if if you're at all uh, in the loop of the competitive Smash Ultimate, you know how controversial Steve is right now. Um, Steve busted, bro. Steve busted. He's probably more controversial than Bayonetta when she came out for Wii U. Um, there's this really funny uh, kind of contrast you'll see at majors right now where all of the smash ultimate players are all kind of like in a corner like all right what do we do about steve like we got are we banning him like this this is a problem right now and you have all the melee players like steve's the best thing to ever happen to this game i can actually watch top eight now let's go (laughs) and all the melee players are all so hype i actually found out i think in i want to say like it might be minnesota there is a there is a group of uh, regional melee players that are, I think, all ranked in the region that are all grinding Steve for two weeks and attending the Ultimate Arcadian. If you don't know what an Arcadian is, it is a tournament that is only for unranked players. So if you're, oh. the, if you're in the top 10 in your state, you're not allowed to enter. So the Arcadian is where the hidden bosses and the up-and-comers come to actually make some money. Because everyone's like, oh, shit, the top 10s, the guy who I lost 20 times in a row to isn't going to be allowed to enter. I can actually win this thing. Some of the most hype matches you'll see at Arcadians and uh, melee players grinding Steve for two weeks and showing up to an ultimate Arcadian really just sounds like the most entertainment you can get in that kind of game. I'm very excited for that. I'll have to look more into exactly where that is. That's pretty cool. Shout out mm-hmm. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't put uh, Goku, Naruto, or uh, or or Jack in, so yeah, Steve's my guy. Sora's, Sora's without a doubt my favorite for sure. Minecraft Steve is up there. I also was pretty pretty jazzed about Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah, that's, that's one that if it wasn't there, it would be kind of a blemish on. Everyone's here, eh, asterisk. Yeah, yeah. The fact, I still, like, 
to this day, the fact that he got Sora in that game and that Sora is like potentially the last like Smash character to ever be it's, like it's beautiful. Added. It really it's, is. It's the greatest thing <laughs> in the world. It's That's great. like the shit I've been wanting since like oh, yeah. early days of Brawl. So you you should probably go to a big Smash Ultimate Major. There's this the, this was in the Big House top eight, but uh Okay. A little spoilers, there was a Sora in Grand Finals and uh you know, his B-moves, every time he does the magic, he'll be like, freeze, fire. Every time he would do a B-move, the entire crowd, thunder, freeze. That's sick. Like 500 <laughs> people, like all yell. It was super cool. Kind of like uh, all the Evo people when Cell does the Dragon Ball intro, they all go, ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Kind of like that. I'll have to check that out for sure. Yes. Yeah, those big gaming moments where the crowd gets involved, like the best. Mm-hmm. I had that once at PAX for a Sonic Adventure 2 tournament, and the whole room was singing City Escape, and it was like beautiful. one of the weirdest and most beautiful moments Goosebumps. I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to <clears throat> include any media and links or anything, I actually have a really good example of, uh, have you ever heard of Crew Battles? Yeah, that's usually that's usually when a couple of people go at it. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact specifics, but I don't they like tally up kind of like yeah. a team makes points. Exactly. So to sum it up quickly, bo- uh, it's a five versus five or however many players you have, but you both start with a certain amount of lives. Let's say the first player wins and he has two oh, lives left. Yes. Second yeah. team sends in his next player and the, the uh, guy who won keeps the amount of lives that he had from the previous game. So it's like a sum of total lives that you have, and it'll deplete. So one player can take out the entire enemy five people yes. if he plays perfectly. Um, but that's generally how you'll settle beefs between different crews, different regions. Be like, hey, get your best five players. We're doing a crew battle. I love that. Was that a mode that was built? That was a mode that was built into Smash Four, if I remember correctly, right? It's kind of built into Ultimate with squ- uh, what is it, Squad Strike? Oh no! It is ultimate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That is what it is. It's yep. kind of similar to that, except you you it, it you use you have multiple lives and you have different characters for each life, which is a really cool concept that I wish you could do in melee. It, oh yeah, we'll we'll get some of that in there for sure. Billy's okay. really good about the B roll, so mm-hmm. um, we'll have I, stuff up. I'll provide you uh, a little bit of a link. There's this really old legendary uh, crew battle in New England. The group of Huntington Avenue Boston College kids versus Worcester. Worcester Area Smash, also known as Waz. Um, they had a pretty big beef for a couple years, and it wasn't real beef. It was mostly like, fuck Boston, fuck Worcester, ah, all in good fun. The only time that like more than 10 people or more than five people from both groups was together for the first time was Shine 2017, where we have a crew battle bracket. Oh yeah, so that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Our good pal G Town Tom may or may not have uh, rigged the bracket for this match to happen. <laughs> Habs, the Huntington Avenue Bomb Squad versus Waz, and it just became one of the. It, it's one of those things that is really legendary on the local level, and the people that were there know, and and it will never kind of culminate into something that big again. What's one plus one, Ryan? Tell me. Oh, oh, he can't tell me. Oh, he doesn't know. 
and every region has these stories, has these uh, crews and, and people that are invested in rivalries and things. So whatever your local area is, get into it because there's, there's people out there that are invested and there's people out there that just want to be there to hang out. So it's always awesome. There's a, there's a place there for everyone. Seems that we have come to the end of our questions. So that means that uh, you can plug your shit. Anything you got going on? Uh, any upcoming tournaments you're participating in you want to let the people know? Uh, I'm going to be... I just registered for Genesis in January. Uh, so my goal is to make it out of round two pools there. Um, I don't really have anything else planned. I, I might be running some streams. Um, check out in New England, at least, if you want to figure out what's up with Melee, check out Alston Melee. That's A-L-L-S-T-O-N, like near Boston. Alston Melee is holding it down in terms of content recently. They have a podcast. They run the stream for the weekly. Uh, if we're doing any regionals, I'm probably going to be running the stream for then. Uh, so Alston Melee on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, they do a lot of top tens, like top top ten uh Top 10 melee terms, top 10 rivalries, top 10, you know, just like fun videos like that. They're putting out that good, good content. Yeah, if, if there's anyone I want to plug, it's Austin Melee. They're they're really holding it down in New England right now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at fakey underscore smith. Uh, I don't really tweet much, but uh, that's really Facts. it. Facts, man. Well... I'm very excited to check out a few of these different things, like some of these crew battles and some of these uh, top eights, specifically the majors with Sora you were mentioning. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yes. And uh, we'll have to look into Austin Melee as well because we are, uh, well, Lucas is in New Jersey. I'm pretty close <laughs> to Austin anyway. New, so. New Jersey, I actually have a lot of really good friends in New Jersey. There's a really healthy scene out there. Um, a lot of cool dudes. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll definitely check them out soon. And uh, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This was actually thank you for like, having me. of course, this was incredibly informative. It was great to learn about the scene, and you know, I'm just glad to see that you're like still crazy active in it because that oh, makes yeah. me super hyped to see when everybody is getting to really do and be a part of the things they like yeah. doing. I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention Slippy and uh, Netplay. Uh, at the beginning of COVID, this wonderful human named Fizzy developed uh, a new form of netcode that essentially expanded the uh, the region that you can play people. Uh, I'm in the Boston area. Before, I could only re really play people max New Jersey, and then the connections would start to be whatever. Now I can play people in Florida, no problem. Beautiful. Um, not to not to diss y'all's game or anything, but Slippy, this online matchmaking. If you have a nice setup uh, with an Ethernet cable and a nice gaming monitor, has less input delay than Ultimate Offline. Oh wow! I'll, okay, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, okay, it's never been more accessible. There's skill-based matchmaking, so if you've never played Melee and you don't even know what a Wave Dash or an L Cancel is, play a couple games. It'll drop, and it's very heavy, uh, strict on the lower side. So if you're new, it'll match you with people that are new. You can really get a good feel for what the game's like then. Um, but the best way is obviously to find your local scene. The accessibility that's come with Slippy for people that may be too anxious or nervous to go to a tournament and compete with people IRL, 
uh, I, I've seen more people than ever being like, hey, it's my first tournament. I'm really excited to play. And then they beat my ass. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That's not supposed to happen. But yeah. with Slippy, like, it's people are getting good now. And it's it, it's very exciting, the, uh, the people we're seeing come up right now. For sure. Well, we'll we'll leave it right there at that, folks. You know, you hear, heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> check out Slippy if you're trying to get into Melee. It seems like a super easy way to jump and dive in and get into the scene. And then, you know, do some Googling. Find Blippy, your local venue. Blippy.gg. There you go. That's there your you place. Go. All right. Well, until next time, folks, thank you once again for coming and chatting with us, Nathan. And uh, Blippy.gg if you guys want to start playing some Melee. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that wonderful interview with my good pal, Nathan. I know I learned quite a lot about the melee scene here in New England. What, did, what was your favorite part about that one, Lucas? Uh, honestly, the, uh, the commentary section, just because like, I knew going in that was something that I had like, little to no knowledge about, but uh, was you know, interested in learning about. And interesting to hear that the uh, color commentary side of uh, things for gaming is just like shooting the shit on random <laughs> subjects. Yeah, for real. <laughs> So, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of great information there. So that that was funny to me for sure. I also uh, was quite interested to learn that uh, Minecraft Steve seems to be the big up and comer in the in the ultimate scene, anyway. Yeah, and uh, I hate Minecraft Steve. He's busted. So. <laughs> That's how I feel about that one, folks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed that interview. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, we'll keep bringing you cool ass interviews like this. Uh, next week, it's going to be another uh, just us two homies once again. Uh, so keep it locked for that. And uh, we'll hopefully bring you some more great content that involves less technical difficulties and less me getting trashed. Uh, <laughs> so until then. Follow us on Instagram. Go check out our last episode where I got trashed and we had a ton of technical difficulties. Billy did a great job uh, editing that together to make it look like we had as little technical problems as possible. So Lucas is going to work on fixing his internet so we can do more stuff like that. But uh, in the meantime, let us know what you think. Keep it locked. Gamechat underscore Tom Lucas on Instagram and uh, any clothing... Clo- any closing thoughts, buddy? Uh, just reiterate, keep it locked here. Uh, we're, we're averaging an interview every other episode, which is pretty good. So if that's uh, what you're into, we'll have more stuff uh, in future episodes this season. Hell yeah, brother. And with that, peace out, folks. Pew, pew.